So the title of today's message, instead of tax to healthy money, the title of today's message is a healthy test. A healthy test. Now what does this mean? Well, maybe you're like me and you were that student in class that when you'd walk into class and the teacher would say, okay, put all your textbooks away, get out your number two pencils, it's time for our test. If you're like me, the next two words out of your mouth were, whoa, whoa, what test? I didn't hear about this. What test? And your teacher would say the one that we've been talking about for the last month, Ryan, and everyone's like, yeah, man, the test been written on the board for weeks. Wait, what test? Question mark, right? Maybe when it comes to tests, you're the person that you can't sleep for three days before the test because of the stress and fear that's coming. Or maybe you're like me. I can sleep before a test, and I sleep during the test. That's how free I am. But I don't know if I score so well sometimes. Well, there's a test in our life that we can't say what test. we got to be paying attention to it. We have to be leaning into it, and it's the test of who God is in our life. You know, one of the things that, one of the most important questions that Jesus asked his followers was, who do you say I am? And I would ask you today, who do you say Jesus is? Because everything we're going to talk about is going to come from that answer. Maybe you have a question about who God is, who Jesus is. Maybe the concept of God and having a relationship with him is something distant for you. But I pray today after our conversation, it's going to be something you understand a little bit more. And maybe something you want to step into or go a little deeper in as well. Because I know who God is. And he's shown me who he is through my personal relationship with him, but also in his word. How do you get to know someone? Hear what they have to say. And here's what Jesus says about himself and about God in one of the most famous verses in all of scripture. John chapter three, verse 16. For this is how God loved the world. Would you circle that word how? For this is how God loved the world. That he gave, then circle the word gave. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's what we want for you today, is that we are serving and believing in a God who gives, not a God who takes, not a God who requests, but a God who first and foremost gives. For God, this is how God loved the world that he gave. You want to know how God loves you? He gives you life. Take a breath in. You got breath in your lungs today. God's given you something. We're celebrating the power of Jesus today and on Easter that he's conquered sin and death. He gave you his son, his one and only son. What we've been doing during this conversation, I've been giving you some lies that we believe. Here's probably one of the biggest lies that people believe about God and the church, and the lie is that the church just wants my money. We don't. We don't. And God doesn't want it either, because God doesn't need it. You see, God, in the beginning of existence, saw the void of darkness and said, let there be light, and there was light. He created the sun, the moon, and the stars in the world simply by speaking. So if he can do that, I doubt he, that he really needs or wants my money because he can already just create it himself. But he knew that it, that would be something that would weigh me down, that would burden me in life, that would compete for, his, for my attention away from him. See, it's not the fact that the church just wants my money, God just wants my money. It's the fact that I need to be giving back to God because it reminds me of who God is. It reminds me that I was first given so much. So what's the truth? The truth of a healthy conversation about money is that our God is a giver. 
I'll just say that one more time. Our God is a giver. Therefore, we are being like God when we give. The more we are like God, the more we see the world as he sees it. I think one of the biggest things I can give you is to begin to take steps to see the world the way God sees it. When God sees problems, he doesn't stress. He sees an opportunity for him to be God in your life. When God sees your current financial situation, he doesn't go, wow, how'd you get it? How'd you let it get this bad? No, he goes, hey, if you would just trust me, I can help you get out of debt. I can help you get out of that stress. I can be with you. I want to help you because I am a giver first and foremost. I want you to see the world the way I see it. Some of the most freeing things. And here's a really amazing piece of scripture before we pray and jump into the heart of our conversation. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it says this, you'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering that our master, that our Jesus said this, you're far happier giving than getting. I'll just tell you, I've been a father for almost four years now. Our son Shepherd is turning four on March 29th. Come on, somebody, we did four years. Let's keep going. Not getting necessarily any easier. It's getting more fun, a little bit more crazy too in our house. But what I know about myself as a father is one of my most exciting things that even my wife has to call me down sometimes where she says, hey, Shepard doesn't need any more toys. I know, but I just, I love giving him things because I'm his dad. I love it when he's had a bad day or when he did something. I just love being generous to him because he's my son. That's my heart as an earthly father. I'm gonna tell you today that I'm an earthly father. So what does it mean when we talk about our heavenly father being a giver more than you could possibly dream or imagine what God has for you? Now, it's not what you want all the time, but it's what you need. It's not what you're expecting, but it's what's going to be exactly what God knows is best for your life. You're far happier giving than getting than receiving, and that's what we're praying about today. Would you close your eyes and pray with me today as we lean in to our conversation? God, we're so thankful that you're here with us today. We're so thankful that you're a giver and we just simply listen and lean in and open our hearts and write notes down today. Whether we're here in person or watching online, God, just speak to us this morning. Help us know what it looks like to have, uh, have healthy money in our life, but most importantly, to live from that posture of generosity. God, be with everyone in this room. Be with all of our kids and local city kids as they learn about Jesus, as they have fun in church. I pray that you would build a faith background in them, even at this young age they'll fall in love with you. And God, we're so thankful to be here today. And we're thankful that you're making a way in all of Tampa Bay's sports from the Bucks to the Lightning. We're believing for more and more breakthrough in Champion City, Tampa Bay. In Jesus' name, we love you and thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we all say, come on, give me a good amen. And let's jump into the message today. I'm excited about today because I love sharing things that I enjoy. If you've ever been to a, like I am definitely known for this in my friend circles. When I go to a restaurant that I've never been to, that I really like, I'm gonna tell every single one of my friends about it. I'm gonna text them and say, hey, you ever been here? You gotta go. And every time I see them, I say, hey, have you been here yet? Have you gone here yet? Oh, we're trying, we're, we're gonna go. I'm like, well, you gotta go. It's gonna be so great. You gotta come check it out. Because I know that if I've experienced a good thing, I wanna share it with someone else. If I go to a movie that I really like, I'm glad that movies are back because it's something I love doing. Whether it's with friends or by myself, I love going to movies. And if it's good, I'm telling my friends, hey, it's worth the $80 it costs to go to a movie now. Go check it out. Go, please. I, I want you to, I want to talk about it with you. But there's a new show to watch. Like, watch it. I, I enjoy it. It makes me laugh. It's fun. I want to have conversation with it, about it with you. 
And it's the same thing with our conversation today, is that I love seeing how God has given and provided for my life in so many different ways. I love sharing the testimonies and miracles and wins of how I've trusted God, even in the difficult, crazy situations, but he's still shown up. I've shared this story with you before. You know, the, some of the craziest, stressful times for Adrian and I was in 2019 when we were planting this church and launching this church. There was about a six to eight month time period where I was given everything that I had to, to get this church started and, and Adrian was working full time and being a mom full time as well. And, and we, we were a single income family. We had just bought a house to move over here and it was stressful. We were kind of living off some of our savings for a while and, and in those moments, it was definitely the fear to kind of begin to live like this again and hold on to what I had and so, you know what, God, I'm doing so much for you in my life. I'm working hard that I'm going to take a break in my giving right now. But I just felt so convicted to not do that, to never let go of the fact that I get to give back to God and, and trust him with the things that he's given me. And I can tell you today that we made it through that situation. And I believe the blessing that God has placed on this church is because of the investment of so many people that were willing to say, you know what, God, I'm going to continue to trust you with this. See, one of the things I would love for you to see in your life is to go through a season where it makes no sense to trust God and keep giving, and then you get on the other side, and you're like, how did I even get through that? See, we can get through seasons like, man, I really worked hard to get through that season. I mean, that's fine, but it just won't be the miraculous victory that God wants for you, where people can look at it and say, how did you do that? And you can say, I don't know how I did it, but I know God did it. And that's the freedom and strength that you can walk in in your life. See, the healthy test in our life is this scriptural principle from God called the tithe, T-I-T-H-E. We're going to talk about it today because it's important. See, the tithe is this understanding that the first 10% of what I earn goes back to God. And notice the language I use, that it goes back to God, not paying off God. It's not a bill. I'm giving back to God what he's already given me. Everything in this life is from God. The life that I have, the breath in my lungs, the house that I own, the car that I drive, what I earn, the world that I live in, everything has been given to me and created for me by God. I cannot speak to the darkness and say, let there be light and something happen. I mean, I could turn on a light switch, but who put that switch there? Who made the electricity happen? Then your brain will hurt. Think about all these deep theological, philosophical questions, right? But I think the answer is simple, that God's given us everything. He's created this world so we can experience it and live in it today. And so the tithe is simply saying, you know what, God? I'm gonna trust you. And if you told me to do it, I'm just going to do it. If you said it's important, I'm gonna keep it as an important thing in my life. And it predates even the time of Jesus. It was a part of God's plan a long time ago. And it's actually the only area where he says, test me in this. Look at your notes or look up on the screen. In Malachi chapter three, verse 10. Malachi is a very important prophet of the Old Testament. He's the last prophet before the 400 years of silence before Jesus steps into the world as a little baby. So Malachi is the last prophet to hear from the Lord and say, hey, here's what God says. I would encourage you to lean into the understanding that the last thing someone says for a long time usually is pretty important. And usually, when it comes to God and faith, our faith journey, the last thing that God says is the thing to hold on to. Because we can get so frustrated waiting for the new and fresh thing, and God's saying, hey, I've already spoken to you. Just grab a hold of that first. And here's what he said. He said in Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, 
that there may be food in my house. I love when there is a full fridge in the house. After grocery day, that's a good feeling. It's not so great when you open the fridge and it's like, oh, cool, applesauce pouch, one left, and I can't eat that because it's my son's, but maybe I can. No, I can't, because I'll get yelled at. That's for Shepherd, not for you. I know, but it's so good. I love when there's food in the house, and God says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, before I unpack this verse, I want you to understand, generosity and giving and the tithes to God is not a give to get. We're not a church that preaches, hey, if you give God $10 today in the wash, you're gonna find a $100 bill. For some random reason, God just placed it there if you got enough faith. Nope, it's not how we do things. We don't give to get. We give to give because our God is a giver. And we wanna be like God in our life. Because when we're like God, we see, the way, we see the world the way he sees it. We understand that he is our source, he is our strength. So this says bring the whole tithe, the full 10%, it's what it means. Tithe means 10, the first tenth. 10, there's numerical symbols in the Bible. And the number 10 symbolizes testing. There's 10 plagues, which means that that was the testing of Pharaoh to see how far God was going to have to go to until when Pharaoh would say, all right, fine, God, I'm letting go of your people, I'm done. There are 10 commandments, the 10 commandments that we follow as a test, which we all fail, to see, do we own up to the way God's created things and the morality and, and principles that he's placed in our life? Jesus heals 10 lepers. Leprosy was a debilitating, deathly disease during his time, and he heals 10 of them, and it's a test to see how many would come back and simply say thank you. Only one does, 10%. All throughout Scripture, you see this symbolism and illustration of the test of the 10th. And the test is in the tie. That's a healthy test. I'm going to tell you why it's an essential one in just a second. But I want to give you the why first. God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Go back one second to Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, I made an example that I like it when there's food in my house. But really, where does the tithe go? To God's house. What is God's house? This, what we're doing right now. Not a building, this community of people. This community that we call Local City Church that is a part of the capital C church all over the world, that when Jesus conquered sin and death and walked out of that grave alive, he built what we are now experiencing today called the capital C church. The group of people who realize we cannot do this without God and we're so thankful that God made a way through giving his one and only son so that when we believe in him, we will not perish, but we have eternal life. If you believe that today, come on, let's celebrate that. Give me a good amen, because that's why we're here. And if it's your first time, we just desperately want you to know that God's a good God who wants a relationship with you. Even if you have questions or have doubts in your beliefs, hey, you belong here before you believe. We want you to know that. But what is this all for? Why do we give so that God's house will have food? What does food do? Provide for those who are in need. When our church is generous and we bring the tithe into the house, we can provide free laundry for 25 families and 338 loads of free, uh, of free laundry. We can buy a ton of bags of mulch and re-landscape a school so that teachers feel valued and cared for by a group of people who want nothing in return. 
that we can feed our community, that we can send people all over the world to bring the good news of Jesus, that we can bring, be on the front lines of the restoration and help that's going on in Ukraine right now through our ministry partner, Convoy of Hope, so that there's food in the house. That's the provision. Let me give you some hard truth about the tithe. The tithe goes into God's house first and foremost. Now, my wife, she loves adopting kids through Compassionate International. We have like five or six of them. It's awesome. Every time she goes to a conference, she comes home and she says to me, I adopted another kid. I can't, how can you get, I can't get mad at that. What kind of sick human would I be if I got mad at that? Again, you're too generous. No, because we never regret being generous. Now, we want to be able to feed our kid at home too, but we're okay, we're good. God's been good to us. But the thing is that that's, that's an offering, that's a sacrifice. The tithe goes to God's house first. I'll go one step deeper if you'll trust me today. The tithe is a commandment, not a request. And if you want to live under the blessing of God, that's where it brings us. Into God's house so that there'll be food that he can provide it. And what does God say? I'm not just saying that. Test me in it and see what happens. Let me give you four things today of why this test is so essential in our life. The first thing is that it's the system that God designed to keep our hearts focused on him. The biggest fight in my life is to keep my attention focused on God. If you remember the story in the Gospels, there's a story where Jesus is walking on the water in the midst of a storm. Kind of crazy to think about. And the disciples are in the boat cowering in fear. And one disciple, Peter, says, hey, Jesus, if that's you, call me out of this, out onto the water and I'm going to walk towards you. And Jesus says, hey, it's me. Come on, Peter. And Peter steps one step after the other, keeping his eyes on Jesus. In the midst of a storm, he's walking on the waves. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, the storm may be raging around you. There may be waves and craziness beneath your feet, but you are focused on Jesus. Everything seems a little quieter, and you're walking, moving forward towards Jesus because he's invited you to come and be like him and know him and have a relationship with him. The story takes a turn, though, When Peter begins to look at the storm and notices the waves around him, and that's when he begins to sink. But again, Jesus doesn't say, "Good, well, Peter, you failed. It says Peter cries out, God, save me, and Jesus reaches down and picks him up. All of that we see the character of Jesus that we need to be focused on. See, the the principle of the tithe is not just 10%, it's the first 10%. It's the system God designed to keep our hearts focused on him. I will promise you, That if you focus on your God who is bigger than any problem in your life, who is omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent in everything and there all the time, you'll begin to be able to walk through these storms and situations of life and you won't be able to explain it. Peter couldn't explain while he was walking on this water, but he knew that Jesus was making it happen. And I want to see in your life you walk through things. And you may not know how you can do it, but it's because you're focusing on Jesus. I stumbled upon a couple quotes you know, about this concept, and I wanted to share them with you today. The first one is this, is that when you give your tithe to God, this is great right here, it's gratitude for the past. God, I wouldn't have anything if it weren't for you. It's prioritization in the present. God, I want you first in my life. And it's a statement of faith in the future. God, I believe that you're going to keep your promise. Here's some prayers for you. God, I wouldn't have anything if it weren't for you. God, I want you first in my life. And God, I believe that you're going to keep your promise. God's a good God. I've experienced it, and I desperately want you to experience it as well. 
You following me? Is this good? Number one, good? All right, here we go. Number two, number two. It teaches us to place first what we value most. It teaches us to place first what we value most. Think about it this way. I talked about restaurants earlier, right? Think of your favorite restaurant. Maybe it's a you know, little burned steakhouse or maybe a little bit something more affordable. I don't know, whatever it may be. Your favorite place you love to go and you order your favorite thing and the waiter puts it on the table in front of you and you see that there's a bite taken out. Your reaction would be, I'm never coming back here again. I'm complaining about you. What is that? And the waiter says, oh, I just, I wanted to take the first bite. You would say, what? That's not how this works, man. You, not, not, I didn't just, you're not getting less of a tip. You're getting no tip, bro. But I just, I wanted to take the, because we put value in the first. But I would say in my life, how many times have, have I brought something to God and I've taken a bite out of it first? And God's like, what's going on here? Well, you know, God, I, just, I needed to take the first taste. Well, that's not trust. That's not giving. That's not sacrifice. I'm not saying that to pr- pressure you or to make you feel bad. I'm just saying that's how kind of things work because if, you, if that were to happen to you, you would be upset. <laughs> and we understand that the tithe is not a tip to God. It's full trust. It's the full trust test because what I place first is what I value most. There's another paragraph quote I wanted to share with you. This one's really good. It says, what we value most, we do first. That's why we take that first cup of coffee in the morning, because if we don't, we might hurt somebody. What we value most, we do first. And the reason God says the tithe is the first portion is that he knows the first has the power to bless the rest. What many people say about tithing is that they can't afford to do it. However, if you talk to people who tithe, they would tell you they can't afford not to do it. The truth is it's far better to give the first and allow God to bless the rest. Every time, every time God is good. All the time God is good, and God is good all the time if you grew up in church. But even if you didn't, it's still true for you today. Let's keep going. Number three, why is the tithe so essential? Because it reminds us of the source of all blessings. I've told, I've, I think I've shared with you the frustration. Maybe you've experienced it before where you go to bed and you plug your phone into the charger and you wake up in the morning to a dead battery and you're like, what the heck happened? And you realize that the plug wasn't plugged into the source because maybe you rolled over or it wasn't plugged in and you didn't know it. See, I'm not the source of all the blessings in my life. This church is not the source of all the blessings in your life. Being a part of it is. Stewarding well the life God's given you is. But the source is first and foremost God. What's it say? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, Ryan created the heavens and the earth. No. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, all my hard work and everything I earned created the heavens of the earth. No. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So who's the source? God, pretty easy to tell. God's the source. Jesus is the source. So I need to go back to the source when I'm feeling frustrated. I need to give because I'm reminded I have nothing without God. The worst success you can have is being successful in things that don't matter. The worst success you can have is earn so much and be hated and disrespected by the people who love you the most and who are closest to you. The thing that can drag you away from the things that matter most is focusing on the other other things that are not the source. God's the source. The tithe reminds us that it's all God. And the last thing is this, why the tithe is so essential because it represents the ultimate test of a believer's heart. God says, test me in this. And I believe God is a man, who, a man of his word. 
keeps his promises. He says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven and the storehouses will not overflow. And I will keep that promise. So here's what we do twice a year. Again, what you understand, if you feel like I'm trying to pressure you, I promise you I'm not. Because in scripture it promises us that there is no pressure to give. There is just purpose in it. And if I can clearly define and describe to you the eternal purpose in your giving and what it does for our lives and the lives of others, that's what we're supposed to do. But there's no pressure in it. What does it say? Paul, the apostle, tells us to decide in your heart what you should do and then simply say yes to whatever God places on your heart. So one of the things we do twice a year in March and in November is this thing called the 90-day tithe challenge. To say for 90 days, I'm going to test God. For 90 days, I am going to tithe. I'm going to give something on a recurring basis. Now, here's one of my three things for you. Pray that first. God, should I step into the 90-day tithe challenge? Maybe you've been praying about it already. If he said yes, step into it. Number two, decide and start doing it. Decide whatever amount it may be. If 10% is a little too much, start at 1% because God can do way more with something than he can do with nothing. It's just true. Decide and start it and then make it automatic. I tell you all the time that I do the recurring giving thing because I want it to be just, I want my generosity to be as natural as muscle memory. I don't even think about it. Like brushing my teeth in the morning. I, I would be awkward during the day if I wasn't generous first. And we set it up, it's the first thing I give. Not the government, not my mortgage. It's the first thing I give is to God because he's the one that leads and directs and guides it all. And as a church, we're generous. So when you take the 90-day tithe challenge, the other thing that you get access to that we prepay for, that's for free for you, is access to Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. You get it all for free. You can go through the classes on how to budget and get out of debt. You get access to the Every Dollar app, which helps you track spending. You, can't, you may have wandered into debt, but you'll never wander out. You may have wandered into financial stress, but you'll never wander out. You need a plan, you need a process, and we want to give that to you free of charge because we know there's nothing like living with less financial stress and more peace, but also living under the blessing of God. So take that challenge today, see what God does, and at the end of the 90 days, if God hasn't shown up in your life or blessed you in any way, maybe not just paying your bills, but also blessed you relationship-wise and speaking to you wise, we refund everything that you gave with no questions asked. You have to step into it through the challenge and through the web form that we have for you. We give it back. So honestly, you have nothing to lose, everything to gain. I'll just be honest with you. Because I know that I've taken this challenge in my life. And if you're young, start it now because it won't get easier as you get older. Start it now. I used to tithe off my $80 checks from church child care. Eight bucks. Not much, but it doesn't matter. God doesn't need the amount. He just wants our trust. And the tithe is not something that we outgrow the tithe pre-exists all the, all, it pre-exists the Ten Commandments. It was talked about in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 14 as we close. I want to give you this. I'm going to invite the band back up. In Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 through 20, it says this. And Melchizedek, great name. If you're looking for baby names, a lot of pregnant people in our church right now. Melchizedek, I think you could go well with that name. Here's why. It's the, he's the king of Salem and the priest of God the Most High. Melchizedek is actually a either personification or actualization of Jesus in the Old Testament. And he brings Abram, who would be Abraham, some bread and wine. And Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek, gave Jesus, a symbol of Jesus, a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. 
predates the Ten Commandments, predates Jesus walking here on the earth. Jesus showed up in the Old Testament in what's called a theocracy of a Jesus walking down, not a theocracy, theophany, of Jesus stepping down, saying, here I am, and here's something that's important, trusting God with the tenth, with the tithe. Here's why. 90%, this is the truth for you, 90% with you and God is more than 100% with you on your own. 90% with you and God is more than 100% with you on your own. I'm just, that's the freedom that, uh, that we get to walk in every day. See, the tithe is a gift from God that keeps us close to him. And I know it's been a heavy example for you, but as the band begins to come up, I want to have a fun example for you. My last truth I want to give you is this, is that you will never regret entrusting more and more of your life into God's hands. It's just true. You'll never regret entrusting more and more of your life into God's hands. Now, if you look at your hands, you see, you know what? These hands are talented. I've worked hard to to earn what I have, or I've been given talents and abilities to do things and create things, or build things or care for my family or, you know, keep a steady job or walk through school and study. I've used these hands to study, to read, to create, to build. Yeah, we can do some things. We're talented people. That's why, again, growth track step two, you got purpose inside of you. We want to see you use it. You're talented people. But here's the thing. I have, if I just focus right here, I've immediately put a human limit on what's capable in my life. I've put a human limit on what's possible with what I can do as a spiritual being. I told you it's gonna be fun, the example I give you. Now, when you entrust God's life, when you entrust your life into God's hands, you say, God, I can do way more with you. 90% with me and you is way better, way better than 100% on my own. And God, I know I will never regret entrusting more and more of my life into your hands. God does something like this, where you begin to realize that he's given you spiritual hands that are a little bigger than your normal hands. Put them on backwards, but it's okay. Now you, got, now you walk into, God gives you this spiritual strength now. Now my other hands could do a lot, but these, I can build way better things. I can build bigger things. Man, when enemy, the enemy comes into my life, when he tries to distract me and move me away, man, a slap from this hand against the enemy's face is gonna feel way stronger than just my own hands. It's the strength that God's given you. When I worship with hands of God, man, these hands are way bigger. It shows God how open I am to receive from him. Yeah, it's funny, fun's in our DNA here, but it's powerful and true. Because you can live like this and you'll only receive this. You can live like this and never receive anything. Or you can say, well, God, more and more, I want to open my hands wider and have the hand of God move in my life through my worship, through my slapping the enemy, through my work, but most importantly, (laughs) through my generosity as well. Through my generosity as well. It's fun, but it's real and it's true. And I wanted to laugh with you, but I also wanted to lead you as your pastor into something that's truly powerful. Does that help you today? Can I get a good amen? You're encouraged. Come on, let's stand to our feet as we close today.